rotten motherfucker. Hello, friends. Welcome to Mostly Harmless. I'm your host, Dammit Damien. Buddies, welcome back to episode two of volume two of Mostly Harmless. And today, guess what? We have two very special guests on the second episode. Don't worry, there's not going to be three guests next week, I don't think. This week, we're hanging out and we're chatting with two of my oldest and dearest friends, Micah Schnabel from Two Cow Garage, and his partner in crime, partner in life, adventures on the road, artist extraordinaire, Vanessa Jean Speckman. Micah, as I just mentioned, you probably know from Two Cow Garage. Micah is also a great, fantastic solo singer-songwriter in his own right. This is his newest record right here, Teenage Years of the 21st Century. This is also his novel that came out last year. Hello, my name is Henry, out now from White Gorilla Press. Vanessa, you've probably seen her works on the covers of John Moreland Records. You've probably seen her work with Frank Turner. Frank Turner, you know that guy? Uh, Also, Vanessa did the artwork for both of these Micah things. Isn't that pretty cool? So we're going to talk to them about living together, working together, touring together, creating art, and how you can find your own voice. Also, I wanted to talk to the two of them about what it was like being in Europe on tour with Frank Turner as the COVID-19 lockdowns and shutdowns were were happening. Pretty harrowing adventure, pretty cool stuff. Please visit SaveOurStages.com. That is our fundraiser of the month. Please just go, write your congressman, and save our stages. This week we have Micah and Vanessa talking about the Roomba Cafe, a really great room in Columbus, Ohio. And if you like all that and more, please go click that subscribe button, buddy. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on YouTube. It's the easiest, best way to help us out. Also, if you want to hear the whole hour and 10 minute version of this that we cut down to like 45 minutes, Patreon. Throw us a couple dollars and you can get access behind the scenes of Most of the Harmless. All that and more. Uh, I'm going to quit rambling, guys. Let's go ahead and let's chat with Mike and Vanessa. Oh, hey, guys. How are you? Hey, good to see you, my friend. Man, it's so good to see Micah and Vanessa. Uh, How the hell is Columbus, Ohio these days? It's not too cold. It's starting to get cold. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Short days. A little gray, a little dreary. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. I don't want to talk about COVID too much, but you guys were in Europe about to go on the biggest tour of your lives when all this shit went down. Can you just tell us real quickly... Tell us the story about what was going on over there in Europe and what, what that experience was like for you guys. Yeah, uh, we flew over like February 27th or yeah. 27th, I think. Um, so there wasn't much stateside, you know, at that point. And it was, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so tour started and I think the first two nights were absolutely beautiful and pure and everything was normal and felt normal. And then things just started to... Around show four, it's, it took the turn. And it was kind of like, all right, we're going to... I don't know if we're going to get through this. What You know, what's happening? And the UK was about a week behind the US at that point. Um, so we ended up getting nine or ten shows in. But by the fourth or fifth show, it was day-to-day, hour-to-hour, waiting to see when it was going to be called. And then the last two shows were definitely like you could feel it uh, in the numbers and yeah. in the audience and interactions at the merch table and yeah. where it's, to, you know, keep Frank protected and like, you know, trickle down yeah. to us. And Yeah. So when it got called, fortunately, we were like 40 minutes out of London. So we jumped on the bus and got dropped off at... Frank's Frank house, Frank, Frank Jess's house. house, yeah. And uh, 
then it was kind of terrifying because we couldn't get a, we couldn't, a state, Americans couldn't buy tickets out uh, because of the shutdown, um, Trump shutdown. So we weren't able to buy tickets and um, Tree, Frank's wonderful tour manager, uh, because she's a British citizen, was able to get us tickets out. Um, and that was about four days after the last show. Yeah. So I was, yeah, I was like on my phone trying to buy tickets for us back home and it wouldn't, it just wouldn't go through yeah. for like 24 hours. So fortunately we ended up getting those last minute tickets home and uh, we flew home, but still didn't, we knew it was bad. Like I was talking with Shane and like talking, asking him how it was here. And so we were talking, but um, he was our level man of yeah. like, not <laughs> we're like, if we're going to talk to anyone, Shane's going to be the one who's going to keep us yeah. calm and keep us in the loop. So we flew home and things weren't probably were things weren't as weird as they should have been, mm-hmm. you know, like it should have been. It was down to like the five or six uh, airports that the CDC yeah. was allowing international travel through. So we did my, thankfully tree was texting me while this was happening. And I said, Chicago, cause if, something goes awry once we land we're at least in driving distance of columbus um and we just did a brief temperature check and bullshit questionnaire in chicago and luckily some friends lined up some food and stuff for us when we got home so we got home and just quarantined and quarantined and we stayed pretty tight to that since march 20th when we walked back in our door (laughs) <laughs> I, I can't imagine how scary it is to be in another country and they're, they're telling you, you can't go home. And there's so much misinformation or so much unknown about the disease at that time going through your heads. Like, how did you guys stay sane? How did you guys like, how did you guys make it through? <laughs> Laughing. Uh, I, I think, I think I'm kind of at this point, a little thankful that they didn't know. Yeah. Like it was, you know, which it really is awful, of course. But at that time, it was everything was so unknown, and there was only a few people in the airport with masks. Um, yeah. The oddest thing at the airport was the like the second terminal. Once you go through like customs and um, that kind of stuff, there all the food was shut down there. So that was like the whole toilet paper pinch and all that bullshit. Like we did not really experience that because we were traveling. Yeah. And in an odd, but I mean, like definitely being in a cab or getting to the airport that last like 24 hours was kind of odd. Like don't cough, don't let your accent be known. Yeah. When we, when we landed in Chicago and got through, we got through customs and we had to wait in the line and the people are in like, not full hazmat, a couple people in hazmat suits, but um, there's, you know, but we're, everybody's lined up no masks or anything and we're just all that's when we could tell like this isn't right you know and we weren't sure if we were going to be like forced to quarantine or something in chicago in chicago um so that was a little unnerving but then they we just signed a paper and they took our temperature and let us through and that was maybe even more unnerving because we're like oh we're just not doing it yeah yeah and uh uh um, jamie um merch for frank had flown home maybe about six days before us. So he was kind of sharing his experience too. So, um, but yeah, I think like Micah said, if we had known more, I think it would have been terrifying. Um, yeah. So. Here's the ignorance. Right. Yeah. <laughs> How many uh, hand sanitizer in Bath, England. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, how many, how many more shows did you guys have with Frank or was that almost done? Uh, I think we had five more. Oh, still, still, that's got to be. And and then playing with Frank Turner and 
overseas over in his pond, neck of the woods, whatever you'll have it. It's got to be even more incredible. And then for all this shit. Tour bus tour. Mm-hmm. We had our own suite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was incredible. But, you know, pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At least, at least we can write this one off, I think, in our tax returns for, for all the time. <laughs> like, well, it'll be the asterisk year. The, uh, oh, man. But um, so as I was telling you guys earlier, when I decided I was going to bring the show back, I want to kind of start bringing different realms and scenes, scenes of people in here. I've become obsessed with art because I can't make it, or so mm-hmm. I think. Uh, and of course I've always been in the music, so I've always been interviewing music people. So it, it became a real easy choice to talk to you two because of Vanessa, of course, you were the artist making all these wonderful art and Micah, you were of course the musician. So I can do a twofer in one. Yeah. But as I was preparing for this, like I kept thinking about how you guys have been together for so long. You tour together, you make art together, um, live together, bathe together, all those things together. Me and my girlfriend just moved in in February. Shutdown happened March 14th, and then here we are. And we did great. Like, like everybody I know is like, oh, my God, I was so worried for you two because neither one of us have ever lived with a partner before. And so when I talk to uh, other, other couples, I'm all, I, I've always been like, what's your secret? How do you guys do this? And I've gotten some really great advice. So if you guys don't mind, I want to – let's – and then you guys have just been in quarantine together for God knows how long. <laughs> Years. I, really? Yeah, exactly. Like, so first off, like, if you guys don't mind, like, how did you two meet through, through all this, this stuff that we're involved in? Probably through the zine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was making lubricated zine at the time. I Which I like, happen to have right here. Yeah. Not the episode with him in it. Yeah. yeah, I was living in San Jose, California, and Micah was on tour with Two Cow. And um, did we help you? I think we helped you with the show in San Jose at the Caravan. On that tour, yeah. Yeah. We, we met in San Francisco. We went to this show the night before. Um, I, Virgil from Suburban Home was kind of the intersection of... Yeah, the conduit there. Yeah, yeah. So met in San Francisco and then helped you guys with the show the next day in San Jose. And We just became friends then. And a couple then, years, yeah. Was it a couple years? And then, um, and then we saw each other at this suburban home i forget what anniversary party that was and we were again we were just friends mm-hmm. um and then we just ended up uh together on right there before we met up with you on the uh, 10th anniversary tour yeah. that was when when we had really connected yeah day right. days before <laughs> exactly literally days before and yeah, yeah I, I remember being with you guys on that tour and just being like I don't remember who it was I talked to. It might have been Murph, where I was like, I think there's something going on with those two. And he was like, You think? You know? So it was, it, again, thank you for letting me be a part of watching that happen and talking about it today. So, um, but I would say, in terms of like how we, I mean, one of the things that's similar to touring is like, no matter how much. Uh, you've got going on that other person is dealing with it <laughs> it's a, it's like the card the, the key to, to all of it no matter how much you're putting up with somebody else they're putting up with you, you said it way better than i did Thank and you. that's kind of the being in a band being in a relationship it's like you might be no matter how mad you are something mm-hmm. that somebody else that the other person did like they're putting up with you too you yeah. know and if you're able to pull yourself back from that then you can 
usually find a you know a middle ground somewhere even if it takes a little bit of time or something mm -hmm. so especially yeah. working as close as we do touring together and living together and like yeah it's it's hard and it's challenging but we're also so incredibly fortunate that we get to do that yeah i think we're good at reading the other person of when support is needed or you know to kind of take the lead or the reins i think yeah. we've spent so much time in in weird situations and having to figure it out and stay alive and get home right. internationally during a yeah. pandemic that like we've done we've done that we just keep saying like i've not been in this before yeah. and um well yeah you learn other you know your you learn your strengths and weaknesses and you learn their strengths and weaknesses. And like you said, you can, you yeah. can pick up slack when it's time to pick up slack or you can back off and follow when, when, you know, it's not your strong suit. You mm -hmm. know? And at right. the end of the day, we want to be together. So yeah. if you fuck up the laundry, <laughs> I don't even know you don't fuck up the laundry. You do a great job. <laughs> like, whatever it is, yeah, yeah. you know, that's yeah. not the, that's not a deal breaker. So yeah. And so it's been like nine years of you guys living together, working yeah. together, touring together. Like, do you guys ever get alone time? Yeah. Yeah. Not right now. <laughs> Not right now. But we like, do like, I um, mean, normally like when two cows touring or I'll go out to California to see family, usually for a couple of weeks. Um, and, all, and also like when we, we work from home, but we work every single day. Yeah. So, it, yeah. so it's not like, so like we wake up, you know, and have our coffee together and everything. But then like she comes to her workspace, I go to my workspace and, and you know, we're there for not, you know, 10 to 10 or whatever, you know what I mean? And obviously yeah. like together during the day and stuff, but, but um, we have separate work days, mm -hmm. you know, cause we both have stuff that, needs to get done things that need made or shipped out or things we're just work working on you know and obviously we can come together when we're stuck on something and help each other work through things and stuff but um yeah we have we have separate work days yeah in a healthy that i think it, it helps keep it the relationship healthy yeah for sure it's structured <laughs> yeah yeah there's a structure to it and we're not just it's like we wake up every day and just sit on the couch and wait for something to happen mm -hmm. or, you know yeah. we're pretty structured in our work yeah, uh, what is what is your guys' uh, routine? You guys are only working from home now. You're only, your art is your living right now. Is is that right, or is there something else in there? No, yeah. no, we're home. I mean, it, it, which is interesting because it's been challenging. Because like one of the when we were long distance, Columbus was definitely central base for us in terms of goals and our career separately and together, and then also monetarily, it really allowed me and him to go back and forth and see my family and friends and keep that <clears throat> um, separation not so intense. Mm -hmm. So this, <clears throat> excuse me, has been challenging in terms of one, our home is pretty small, <laughs> you know, and two, just being far. So that's been like the only. Yeah, Columbus is always, it's just been our kind of home base because we travel so much. This has just been, you know, we have a tiny little apartment that's home base. It's where our you know, we make our home, but we're gone so much that it, it just made sense to be here. So the, that is probably the biggest challenge of being here for nine months, not being able to leave is like, you the know, hardest part, to, but yeah. besides again, like we've been able to do virtual shows. Um, you know, my Etsy shop has been able to remain open, but 
it doesn't look much different than when we're off of tour in terms of, I think we're more night owls. We both are more productive yeah. post dinner, I would say. So, you know, wake up. Mike is always the coffee maker. Um, yeah, wake up in the morning, have coffee. We usually read. Yeah. I usually do yoga, hang out in my room. We have lunch and then the day starts to build. Usually, hopefully, if it's idealistic, creatively, you know, with like no post office runs or yeah. that's pretty much it these days, grocery yeah. store. Um, Vanessa's here in the studio and I work in the kitchen. I sit at, I sit at the kitchen table. That's where I work. And uh, yeah, she yells down the hall if she wants water or something. <laughs> or, you know, like. I have to, I have to, uh, code how bad the injury is i'm like code red code orange just to with if it's worth running down and helping me but i mean it's it hasn't been much different we're just home all the time you yeah know? The, the challenges of working from home mm -hmm. with a partner mm -hmm. and li living in the city too that's like the other thing just again of having this be definitely the focus of being at home base of you know if I had to do over and know that I was going to be living in a pandemic, I would have gotten, you know, a garden and a fenced <laughs> off yard where I didn't have to deal with like neighbors or people walking down the city street. So um, it's just been interesting observing things home so much more. Yeah. You know? That's been an interesting, like really being home and like watching seasons change in one place and everything. Like that's nothing that I've ever we've ever done mm -mm. i've ever done nor put so much time and effort into the home like yeah we've been nesting like mm -hmm. crazy mm -hmm. but it's nice it's nice it's just different yeah. and it hasn't ever really been a huge goal of ours not that yeah our home is a shithole or anything but it's just it was always like it's been a it's been a home base it's never been a big focus mm -hmm. so that's been an interesting turn of mm -hmm. events yeah you guys are always together though yeah yeah i mean there's and there's obviously there's challenges to that like there are days where she hates me mm -hmm. um, and, vice and vice versa. But mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the day, you know, that's who you want to be with. So you just kind of navigate it and you work it out. Yeah. It's over. It's always over really funny, like funny stuff in retrospect. Really? Yeah. Just really nonsensical stuff that you just, for whatever reasons, set can't you off on that day. Yeah, you just yeah. can't communicate. <laughs> that's what it is. I mean, that's life, I think. Yeah, I don't think no. there's any advice to give anybody or anything. It's just... Be a better communicator. Yourself yeah. and, like, talking to myself. Be yeah. a better communicator. Be nicer to yourself and be nicer to everybody else. And... It's an intense time. I mean, anything, like, even talking talking to my parents who are, you know, older and have been together forever, like, sometimes my, both of them are like, help, you know, <laughs> your mom's driving you nuts, we're moving the sofa again, or, like, whatever it is. I'm like, oh, we're doing that over here, too. Yeah, it's like, a challenge. You just gotta do it. Plus, everybody's just trying to cope as best they can right now in this time. I just, yeah, I think, you know, if you can, if we can make it through this, then I think it's a pretty strong testament mm -hmm. to any relationship yeah. friendship relationship any i mean and even if you're by yourself I, I just think again like micah's number one rule in all of this is just staying alive and i don't mean that funny or ironically even though no. it sounds that way like and even if you are by yourself like but i just that's all it is right now is this is horribly intense and all we have to do is Get stay, through, especially yeah. get through these next two months and yeah. just stay alive. Yeah. Stay alive and get to the other end. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How is the creative aspect of your lives helping carry you through this transition? It's my coping mechanism. 
it's the way that I deal with life and talk talk to the world. Because for the most part, I think I'm pretty quiet. Um, because I always <laughs> I always say something and then almost immediately regret it or regret it like an hour or two later. The only time I don't do that is when I write it down and focus on it for six weeks <laughs> and tear it apart. Um, so that's, that's the only time I really don't. And then I still sometimes end up regretting the things that I say, but yeah, that's my coping mechanism to the world. So waking up every day and trying to, it's been hard to focus during this time. Yeah. It's not been like some like writer's retreat or anything. Um, Cause obviously there's everything's changing every day and with the election and just, you know, yeah. going to slip into authoritarianism great <laughs> you know like so it's been hard to focus but that's it's my way of dealing with the world yeah i think having like the goal markers of the election being you know at least trump that way mm. and then kind of being like okay it's going to be next spring until vaccines roll out having those like goal markers has started to help me be like able to focus because i've had a horrible time like he you've been wonderful about reading and at least writing, even you, you know, when you say it's garbage or whatever, but even for that, that's been hard for me to focus. So um, is it, is it, I think having those goal markers or at least the time frame and like kind of knowing like, okay, we're, we're holding off on, you know, seeing family or whatever idea we thought normalcy could be in this. It's like, yeah, I do think we had the luxury coming from coming out from a different country and everything, like really reading about it. We had we kind of knew it was going to be a year, at least a year. So we, it's not like we no shocker. Yeah, it's not like we've been hanging on thinking like, well, next week it's you know it's going to be great. Like we knew it was going to be probably around a year, year and a half. Um, so we've been kind of knowing that I think has helped with the focus a little mm -hmm. bit. You know. Well, what have you guys been making? I know you've mentioned writing, Micah, uh, Vanessa. You're doing your stuff, but what what have you guys been making? Is anything? Has this whole thing sparked another interest in you guys, maybe? Um, well, Mike has been helping, so I've pushed me to finish editing and putting together a small book of poetry and writing on my end. Um, fortunately, un unfortunately, you know, I'm still able to work with my Etsy shop. Um, so I think what's been interesting going into the holiday season is it's almost made me pull back, like I've taken a lot of items down that I don't necessarily have pre-made or in stock um, just to try to be more selfish in this time, um, which is a complete luxury and privilege. Um, so yeah, the book is my, my focus and I've been pretty busy with, you know, commissions and Etsy orders, <clears throat> excuse me. So um, I'm excited to kind of get through Christmas and then you know, focus on those quiet, normal winter months. That would be slow for an artist to, yeah. to get this together. Yeah. When I got home, I uh, finished, the goal was when we got home from the Frank tour was two cows was going to record a new record. Obviously that didn't happen, but I had, <laughs> um, came home and had the goal. I knew I, I needed to finish like two or three songs for that. So I got home, had that focus, finished that, finished those songs, and then started moving on to some, uh, just newer stuff in this new world that we're living in. Again, the, how, my writing is how I speak in the world, I think. So um, 
how do how do I deal with the fact that even though Donald Trump lost over seventy million people voted for him, uh, what how do I talk to that world? Because it's it's half of this country, you know. Um, so that's been a whole new spark of like somebody's got to say talk to somebody. <laughs> well, and also with that, like, because you you were like ping ponging back and forth of like, well, should I say these songs and you know, some of them have just been phone recordings. We did get into um, Secret Studio one day for an isolated recording of... Yeah, um, Existential Dread Machine. For you, but, you know, you it's kind of been like, well, the, the commentary is... Not commentary, but the narrative, but it's all right now, so... Yeah, there really... There's an urgency to... No reason for, especially during a pandemic while we're all home and isolated, to kind of be sitting on it. So I feel like in both of us, it's kind of like... Get, get it, it out, out there yeah, but yeah. i think we've always worked <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest when, when the uh when the pandemic really first started hitting i was like i could start the podcast back again and i resisted it so much because so many people are doing it that i just kept going i kept exploring things i think in the same way you guys are exploring things with like do I use my voice this way? Do I use my voice that way? So I, and with this time around, it's like, well, what stories can I tell? And, um, it, and I'm still trying to figure that out, but I think these stories of like you guys together making art or how you can save your music venue. I think like, I'm just rambling, but I, th- I think it's, it's been nice to stop and like really, philosophically invest and think about what I'm doing and why and how it affects people. And and it's it's really cool to hear you guys saying very similar things. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I think all that's, that's just, all that's probably going to get cut out. <laughs> no, no. But the, I mean, that's that's an artistic way of thinking. Whether you know, no matter what you choose to make, that's the the kind of thought process I think for a painting, for a song, for a podcast, for cooking a, a meal, yeah. um, is trying to find your your input into the world. And it, yeah, it makes the execution of it less messy and yeah. <laughs> more approachable. Mm-hmm. And I feel also like, I mean, just what you were saying, like the editing of oneself, like, again, all of us, if we spoke 10 years ago, <laughs> you know, to the conversation we had now, whether I think we were in court, lockdown, whatever you want to call it or not, it would be similar, yeah, you yeah. know, in terms of our work ethic and how you're working. And what made you, what made you start the podcast back up? I've started meditating. I've started reading a lot of, uh, and by a lot of read three different like self-help meditation book kind of things. I, I, you know, this is, I, I really have a note here. You can't read it because my camera is in the way, but it says, how do I make the world a better place? And I wrote it in a really like really depressed place years and years and years ago and have had it sitting on my, every desk I've had for years. And it's like, well, I'm, I think I'm okay at telling these kind of stories. I'm good at getting people to talk. Uh, what can I do different? Well, I can just approach things with my voice. Whereas before the the podcast was somebody else's voice, I was imitating Mark Maron. I was in, in, um, imitating Conan O'Brien and all these other people. Uh-huh. And I think through this year, I've really found my voice, Damien's voice. And then I'm, I think i'm okay at like getting people to open up and talk about stuff so it's like let's go out there and try that let's stop just going like what were your influences when you were 16 and like you know we try to find ways to make the world a better place i don't know in the art world is finding your own voice Mm -hmm. or in the world in general 
finding your own voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and then, and then when you find your that voice, I feel like that's where the connection is because you're able to converse and have it be a conversation and not an interview. And mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, we literally are sitting outside of Dante's after seeing Mike D right now and having this conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. to keep going on that track, uh, I want to Vanessa in particular. You and I did other we found other ways to get ourselves involved in the scene, whether it be through art or cassettes or zines. Um, I was always waiting for somebody to give me permission to do these things. I would tell people my ideas and be like, that's a bad idea. And I wouldn't do it. How did you find the courage to put your stuff out in the world? How did you figure out that like, I can go make a magazine? I think I, I just started doing it. Like with the zine, especially I, I think it was anger and frustration too of of a lot of negativity of you know not having um, things going around that were like culturally interesting in the community. <clears throat> so that's really kind of why I started the zine was just to kind of try to capture it all in one place and wrangle it and be sure that we were never like doing negative reviews on records that it was all stuff that we were excited about and all the contributors and artists were excited about. Um, so that was, that was like with the zine was just, yeah. And then I think in terms of art, it was just not being represented um, and just not seeing myself in it, you know, like not, not being a musician. Um, <clears throat> and I, you know, I, the, the, with the zine, I had started photographing first and that was kind of how it all started. And I was too scared to write. So I would ask people to contribute and, you know, I was too scared to be on the stage and all of these things. And then it was just kind of finally a, a bit of a fuck this, <laughs> fuck everybody. I'm going to do some stuff for myself. I mean, that really started when we, we got together in terms of it being traveling, but out in California, I was doing shows and dive bars at the Parkside and vegan restaurants in San Jose. And and then in terms of performing, I just asked Micah when, if he would play guitar while reading. And then from there, asking my friends to play music with me, that's how you get to start a, a band, even if you're speaking over it. So I recommend it to everybody. <laughs> I mean, it's worked for the hold steady for years. So <laughs> all it takes is that one bit of courage, that one person to that one, like instance of like, I'm going to make this thing. Uh, Micah, do you remember that first thing that you made that kind of started this trajectory for you? Yeah. I mean, I remember writing the first song and then that, that oh, was, uh, I think I was, would have been 16 or 17. And I just wrote, a song for English class and that just kind of set me on the path the, as far as the asking for per- permission thing I'm, I'm absolutely guilty of that I think the one I've always uh, I've always known I wasn't great which sounds like self-deprecating I don't but I don't mean it like I always knew that I wasn't or I had no aspirations to be the greatest thing I just wanted to be in the game so I was never scared to and it took me a long time to find my voice and everything like that. But I've never been like weighted down by the uh, just kind of doing what I want to do. Yeah. So just write songs. And if one's bad, write another one that's good. And then write another one and another one. And, uh, you know, just keep doing the work. Mm-hmm. And 
Yeah, that's hard. To, that's so hard to get past the, the asking for permission thing because we're that's like a <clears throat> beat into us through the school system is to ask for permission mm-hmm. for every single thing, and then you go and you want to make something, but one person doesn't like it, and you want to hang your head in shame and just mm-hmm. never do anything. And most people are just spending their time, you know, not making it and yeah. leaving the shitty Yelp yeah. review or whatever. <laughs> yeah, like, and it's, yeah, it's so rarely that it's the person that's actually making, another person that's making something to that discourages somebody else. And if somebody does that, like, that's the worst, yeah. you know? Yeah. What a shame that is. I feel like so many people get stopped at that step right there. So many people want to learn how to play guitar or sing a song or draw a picture, paint a picture, or have a podcast, but they're scared because somebody might make fun of it or write a crappy review about it or their friends might not like it. And um, that's such a drag and a shame. I think yeah. if that's something, if somebody's well, listening to this. Especially, I mean, especially now, like, I, I was a fucking idiot. I made 3,000 copies every time of that zine, like, and I never had the money for it. And it was free. Like, what the fuck was I doing? You know, now, like you can make songs during the pandemic on your phone. Like you don't have to have a recording studio. Right, right. Anybody, we had a friend, an acquaintance through the, in the UK who we met on tour, send us his, you know, new EP that he posted on Spotify and iTunes because like he can have a professional looking platform like we can all do. Like yeah. everybody has the access to it, which I think is cool now. So I would even, I would hope so that like, you don't have to cut and paste. Well, cutting and pasting a zine is really cool, but like, you know, you can also blog immediately or whatever, you know, post a photo on Instagram and write some, a long caption, whatever it is. Yeah. It's you more accessible be, now. Yeah. And available. Vanessa, I don't know how to like do what you do. So I want to ask you some questions about that stuff. And uh, this is probably my favorite thing you've ever done is this one right here that hangs in my bedroom. Um, but I re- I really like this stuff, but for a long time, I thought it was just Vanessa putting words on things. How, how is it not just pasting words to things? How is, how is this not just spray painting uh, words on a, a, on a sheet? How is this creating art so that maybe somebody out there who has these ideas can make these things? Does that make any sense? Yeah. What the fuck am I doing, right? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think anybody can do it. Like, especially if you were to line up all of the things that you have of mine of just, it was wanting that in that moment and trying to figure out how to make it. And I think especially with words, again, not, you know, for a long time having a microphone, it was just different platforms. I always say how I think the, the alphabet is so cool because it's free and everyone has access to it. And especially with the stencils, I mean, you know, anyone can go to the craft store, cut them themselves and do that. For me, a lot of the the materials are always started sentimental, just in terms of coming from, I think, like an artistic family and not having a lot of things. So the few things that we had that were passed down from generations were always special. So when those folks started to, to... pass away and incorporating those into work and then getting interested in, you know, thrifting or upcycling or collecting things along the way. Um, and not just, you know, ordering a hundred t-shirts with an idea or, you know, painting them myself, which is insane sometimes, but just 
tangibility and access. I mean, like, you know, exploring the leather was just a friend, what be, became like a leather worker and hanging out with them and them teaching. And it was another way to make my messages wearable in, in different ways. Yeah. So mm -hmm. figuring out, figuring it out along the way. Well, it's, it's the thing, right? It's like the most popular, I think probably the most popular two cow song is G, C, and D. It's three chords on a guitar and some words like and you know, almost anybody can do that most people could do that could learn three chords you know like almost every tim berry song you know is just basic chords with alphabet with what's going on in his life brilliant <laughs> you know it's incredible why is that incredible anybody could anybody could pick up that guitar and talk about their lives why is it special when what makes it so important when this person does it what does make it yeah. important? Who knows? Just the fact that maybe sometimes it's just the fact that they did it. And it's definitely like a point has been a point of frustration and that I've expressed to him plenty of, you know, sometimes feeling like too many tools in the shed. And I, I would love if there was, there was one focus, but then <laughs> I'm, I'm so thankful that it's not one thing because I would be exhausted of that. And I think it keeps me, interested in my own work and something that um we always talk about is like having to like refill your own well too so even though i don't feel like i've been necessarily creatively productive of new things that i'm excited about during this time i have to remember that like all of this goes into writing and future writing and then showing up and you know doing 10 minutes of shitty journaling for the day and not to go back to it yeah but like but like we're living through a very traumatizing time right now we're all going to be making we're all going to be dealing with this time in our work for the rest of our life however much longer this you know the 18 month period 18 to 24 you know maybe 36 month period we're going to be dealing that with that in our work for the rest of our lives all of us you know everybody around. So again, just staying alive right now. We don't have to, we don't have to be creating, <laughs> you know, masterpieces or works of you art. You have plenty of material to reflect upon children. <laughs> yeah, the, the fact that you're doing this right now is fantastic. The fact that, you know, we're all sitting down and, and making a little bit of work right now in this time. That's big enough. <laughs> that's the general face, right? <laughs> yeah. Man, you guys, Micah, you've gotten to travel, both of you guys have gotten to travel the world through your art. If there's a kid out there or somebody out there who's afraid of like making stuff, what advice do you have to make stuff? How do we get other people to get up off the couch and like make things? You know, at this point you can, if you have access to, I know it's not, not everybody has access to it, but a lot, most people have access to some kind of technology or something with GarageBand on it or something like that. You don't even need a guitar. You can, you can sit down and make something. Um, record and, notes the, onto your phone, you know, the audio. Yeah. Don't um, turn the editor off in your head and just make something and just make it. And once you're done making it, then you can, and it's out into the world. You can, you can make a judgment. You can recognize where you made your mistakes and just and move on from there, but don't let yourself get stuck in the not making things. Mm -hmm. Cause that can, crush your spirit and last an entire lifetime. Mm -hmm. well, how, did, how did you write a book? How do you go from writing songs to writing a book? 
Um, I, I was this. I was super fortunate. There was a, a guy who, who owns white, who runs White Gorilla Press, the small, super small press uh, in Jersey, and he was a fan of Two Cow, and he approached me years before and was like, "Have you ever thought about writing a book?" And I was like, "That's something I would love to do. I don't know if I'm capable of doing that." Um, and he just supported me. I started trying to write short stories and stuff, and just sending it to him. He just kind of talked me through it, and he was like, "You can do it." You can do it. Yeah, because the, the the idea for the book started off as short stories. Yeah. Um, but we, yeah, just plugged away and he, one person believed in me. One person yeah. thought that I could do it. And um, that's all, that's all it took. And I just pushed myself to. to and his, pub, not to interrupt you, I'm sorry, yeah. but his publishing company is also, White Gorilla is his passion and his hobby. His, yeah. you know, it's his, so he only is. Yeah. doing the thing, yeah, doing the things he wants to do mm-hmm. but yeah one person believed in me and and you know again it's one of those things all i can see in that book now is like i see every mistake i made every yeah. you know just you know i just learned I mean, i'd never written a book before and he was super nice and didn't like beat me over the head with anything you know um, and he re- really helped me navigate the whole process and get through it and now i kind of know that process and i see every single mistake i've made and I'm going to try and do it again and try to do it a little bit better this time. Yeah. yeah. Well, you definitely, and, and again, I hope people, people watching this are like, Oh, he's kissing his ass. I fucking love the shit out of it. Um, <laughs> Thank you. It was really good. I want to know how much of Micah is in Henry or is like, you didn't work at a gas station, did you? <clears throat> no, I didn't work at a gas station, but uh, there's, there's a lot of me. I mean, I don't, I don't know who could write a book that there's not a lot of them in it somewhere, but the, the, all the growing up in the small town and stuff like that's, that's the town that I grew up in. Like the map matches, you could take the map of that town and use it to walk around Bucyrus, Ohio, where I grew up and it would all be there um, from his apartment to the gas station, to the coffee shop, to the library, like everything. You could follow the map of Brooksville and it's Bucyrus, Ohio. So yeah, there's a lot of, lot of me in there a lot of the, the pain and how hard it was to grow up in rural america um the frustrations of it and uh, uh empathy. yeah trying to find empathy for for that uh, place and those people which they deserve but it's hard sometimes really hard to find empathy sometimes so but you have to reach deep and find it. <laughs> yeah. I did try to do that. When you can get to the point where you turn your brain off, just let yourself get it out. It's incredible the things that come out. It also shows that we don't have any free, don't actually have free will, but we can get to save that for a later <laughs> date. <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite music venue in Columbus? I feel bad. Take, oh, I'm partial to Rumba Cafe. It's our neighborhood. Our neighborhood. Um, yeah, that's like our spot. That's like we they have um it's not a it's not a bar hangout. It's a venue. So, um it's really nice that there's not like where where the bar flies like when we're home from tour. And it's the kind of place like if I'm in a bad situation, like fi- if we're in a bad like financial situation or something like they would just let us come work the door <laughs> or something like that. Like that's a they're kind of a that's our family home turf yeah. place. Yeah. And we like they have Tuesday night jazz. Um, Sunday night is like a it's called the Hoodoo Soul Band, and they're a cover band uh, with like 
what, 20 players mm-hmm. in it or something wild. And then also of like having a friend work sound and be like, you guys need to get down here. And I think that's how we discovered Radkey and Listener. Yeah. And just it's, I've had plenty of beautiful moments of just going to listen to music and finding and falling in love. Yeah. Um, so I think Rumba in Columbus is special. That's special. Yeah. That's our special spot, I think, mm-hmm. in your town. Last week, talking with Jeff about the Black Sheep, he asked people to donate to the Save Our Stages thing. So you guys out there listening, watching, whatever, uh, please donate to Save Our Stages to maybe save the Roomba. Mike and Vanessa, normally I like to leave this with like the question, how do we make the world a better place? I think we've already answered that, make more art. So instead, I want to ask you guys, like, how do you find your voice? I think that's that's a good way to leave us today, like a good inspirational place. Speaking and keep writing and keep drawing and keep singing and keep playing. And I've got a big old fat crush on Patti Smith and she just always talks about doing your work. So that's my theme. And that's my biggest critique to myself <laughs> is to do do my work. Every person that makes something, you we start out imitating our heroes. That's how you start. That's what makes you inspired to go write a song or something. That's how everybody starts. It's okay. You don't, you know, that is the way to get your feet in the water. You know, for me, it took me a long time of to find my, to find my voice, you know, a long time, but I feel like I'm finding it more and more every single day now. Mm -hmm. So don't let that be intimidating to you and uh, just get in and, It's like a photo album, you know, like your sixth grade photo. It's not like, you're like, oh, I'm really stoked that, you know, hairsprayed my bangs that way. Like, but it exists. And (laughs) it's a constant work. Mm -hmm. And then, but as you do find it, as you grow into yourself and you start finding your artistic voice, there's nothing more satisfying than that. And kind of discovering yourself. Getting closer to that voice in your head, being the voice that you use in the world. Well, welcome to the Mostly Harmless Podcast. Thanks to Damien for having us. Welcome to the future, beep beep little buddies. It's not going to be easy and it's probably going to get ugly. Are you scared? That's okay. I'm scared too. We can take comfort in the fact that no one else knows what to do. Racism, sexism, sarcasm, take grace to the shovel. Let's bury them along with these ridiculous coins. We've been trading back and forth and killing one another over since forever. Let the future generations find them underneath the tracks of our high-speed trains that take us to paradise and back. Nine minutes flat. Yeah, we're going to have to build a brand new world that works for everyone. And when that day comes, you walk and dance in the streets. I know I probably won't be alive to see Everywhere. I know we're asking a lot, but please beware. This world will try to divide you up by sex, skin, color, and money. They'll sell it to you as a joke, but it's never been funny. And I'm sorry to be so on the nose, but we squandered our chance to better for our asses out of the professional sling a long time ago. 180 character attention span begins to spark each other to emotional death. And this is where it's got us. This is where it's got us. Every guess on the 
Podcast. Thank you to Damien for having us. We are Call Me Rita and I am Vanessa Jean Speckman. I feel like the spoon you left in the sink and got stuck in the garbage disposal mangled up by the blades that chop up garbage and waste, enough to be shoved down city pipes by pressurized water. I fucking hate myself when I'm around you. Fruit fly in the taped Polaroids, there's nothing here for us but rotten memories of better times. I'm socially isolated via life choices and the hookah bar kids across the street, they got a drone and I'm just dying to be good at something and for you to notice me before that. My parents always told me that I was beautiful and good at anything as long as I set my mind to it. So here I am, 37 years old, thinking that I was 36 for the past four months, and I'm finally going to get that drum set because the Olympics, they just never worked out. But I still have time. At least that's what my mom keeps telling me. 